0: I remember when he was born and I remember the feeling of this is going to be different. I'm going to be the best mother I can be.
1: Welcome to Precarious Parenting, the podcast series for people feeling overwhelmed by family life in general. Do you often wonder whether you're doing it right or do you wonder whether it's okay to be just a good enough parent? My name is Marie Arimar founder of Realization Works, guiding young people and parents back to clearer thinking. This podcast series provides the opportunity to hear real people sharing real stories about how they managed to see beyond their overwhelm. Welcome to this episode where I have Elizabeth Lovius with me. Now, Elizabeth is a fascinating woman. She's a leadership consultant uh, who works with top-level teams, and she's done so for 30 years. But when talking to her, she tells me that her true qualifications come from being a parent with regard to leadership. So welcome, Elizabeth.
0: Hi, Mary. Hi. How are you? <laughs>
1: yeah, great, great. Thank you. Now, could you just... Um, Tell us what what your situation is. I know you just moved uh, back to the UK. Could you just tell us, you know, where you're living and your family and your work life?
0: yes yeah, So for so for the last fifteen years, I've been um, working all over the world and have a base in the UK, but living with my family in southern Spain. And my husband has kept the, you know, ruled the roost out in Spain and looked after the, the day-to-day stuff and then I would come and go. And so I would be involved with parenting, but I would also then leave the parenting day-to-day responsibilities and come back and have fresh perspective. So it gave, it gave me a kind of unique view, I think, of parenting. Okay. Um, and uh, you know, yeah, I've been running my own businesses and, and we've just recently moved back to London and my two boys are 20 and 18. Both of them decided that they wanted to do their tertiary studies in the UK. So we followed them. And actually, that's a bit of a theme. We've, we've always had uh, what would suit the children at the centre of our decision. You know, so that hence my husband was a home husband and, and I worked. It just made the most sense for our family. So, yeah, that's a little bit about me.
1: Ah, oh, great, great. Um. And and I saw on Facebook. I follow you on Facebook, and I saw that you wrote a really beautiful poem, mm. and it was kind of um, a mother's uh, uh, um, a mother's poem to her sons, and and I just thought it was lovely. But there was a real message to it, and you said it's time to let him fly on his own terms. It's the only way for wings to become strong without a parachute or a net or a nest. And mm. I absolutely love that. And I just wondered um what what led you to to want to write that poem you know where what, what was your what was the, the move behind it
0: so I have like I say two sons and they have very different characters and if the truth is to be told my eldest son is more like me and my younger son is more like my husband but as his time-old uh, wisdom, it is often the way that the child that is most, most like you, you have the most challenges with because you're kind of presented with yourself <laughs> in an in a unreconstructed sort of raw form. <laughs> so I think that that, that was probably um, the story of me and my eldest son in, in particular. But I remember when he was born and I remember the feeling of tabula rasa, blank canvas, and I'm gonna. This is gonna be different. This 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 little perfect being. I'm gonna be the best mother I can be. I'm going to get it right. I'm gonna, you know, all those all those mistakes from um, whatever I perceived as mistakes from my own parenting, being parented. I wasn't gonna do those. I was going to uh, fulfil some kind of ideal of parenting. And I think this is what many people feel. I think many mothers uh, especially feel when they have this newborn in their arms and the and the kind of sacredness of that job, but also the desire to be perfect uh, for that child and for that child to then you know, fulfill its potential. Now, behind that is a a beautiful energy, you know, a wonderful desire. And yet the notion that we are going to get something right and be perfect is the very thing that gets in our way as parents. And it took me until my son was 12 to see that. So for the formative years of his life, as many of us do, innocently, with the best of intentions, we try and craft our children in an an idea of what we think they need to be. So, for example, if they're tantruming, to to stop that or beating up their brother or, you know, doing, uh, running off when we say come here. (laughs) and all that, shoes, I don't know. I don't know any parent that doesn't struggle with shoes. You know,
1: like where are
0: they and why have you got them on and, you know, all of that. Um, so these are grist for the mill of parenting, but we can, we can get caught up in it with our own idea of who we are as a parent and that they somehow are reflecting on us. We're not even aware of it, actually, a lot of the time. We just get this urgent feeling in our gut that we have to sort something out. And that actually is a sign. I've I realised it took me, like I say, a long time to see that. But that's a sign that it's somehow the it's become about you. It, you're not coming from a clear mind, a clear heart. You're you're coming from ideas of how you think you should be as a parent and how they should be as a child. And I've really started to realize that is a trap. That's a trap that we buy into.
1: Yeah, because you're describing um, parents as, as natural fixers, fixing the solution to the problem that they perceive being the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And, and when, when the, your poem went on Facebook, um, yeah. as, as always, there's a, a big discussion, debate, you know, when you post something like that, which is, which is really great. And I started to follow that. And somebody said, so what you're saying is then that screwing up our kids is part of being a parent. What, what would you say to that?
0: I love that because the answer to that is, is screwing up our children part of being a parent? yes. And no, so i want to I want to speak to the yes part and then to the no part so like in like in life, many things that it, when you get close to the truth, it becomes paradoxical, so it really is a yes and no, so in the sense that um, we innocently operate from we 're not even aware of them but beliefs that drive our parenting that may be less helpful to our child, we all do that. We've inherited beliefs from our parents who've inherited them from their parents, but it's not beliefs because between naught and seven, we are sponges. So whatever we're told, whatever we're shown, unless it really doesn't resonate with us, we just believe it. You know, we just absorb it. And that, you know, that's why a Jesuit priest will say, "Give me, give me a child before six, and I'll, I'll have a Christian for life, a Catholic for life," because that, that formative time is so innocent. And so we innocently receive messages from our own parents that have become part of what is true for us. And you know, you know, for example, some parents might have a lookout for number one belief: make sure you, <clears throat> you get you get what you need first before, you know, giving away to others, which has some assets in it, actually, self-care and make sure you've, you, you're on solid ground, etc. Another parent might have, um, you know, generosity is good, so give your last meal away to somebody. That, you know, so these are not good or bad. These are just sort of psych- psychologies or ways of thinking that, um, we've inherited. So I just wanted to say that in the sense that we all have within us beliefs that limit and we pass those on. Uh, Screwing up, we'll come back to that word, but we are limiting. You know, if if screwing up means limiting our children, we, we are limiting them by telling them this is true, this is not true, and or this is how it is in whatever. So, you know, I remember um, we did a bit of positive brainwashing (laughs) with our kids when they were little which because there was a lot of, you know, um, competition with two boys and we just used to say to them, um, well, we'll, we're going to die one day. (laughs) You you two are all you're going to have, you know, so just this is a long-term relationship. (laughs) And, you know, and we we said that with... um, best of intentions but there are limits to that as well you know you're kind of dictating a relationship to your kids and saying this is a good thing which in in some ways limit their freedom to to take space from each other and you know and they are very intertwined kids you know one moves and the other one moves you know it's a it's a dance so you know i just want to say every belief that we pass on to our children is going to have limits you know, so if you teach, you know, basically the two kinds of parenting styles so direction of freedom, direction of discipline. Direction of discipline gives boundaries, gives sense of self, gives clarity of expectations, creates responsibility. You know, there can be some quite good if you have structures. That's what I'm talking about when I say discipline, you know, boundaries. Um, direction of freedom creates another kind of. Uh, energy which is just open to everything and questioning everything and curious about everything. Mm-hmm. Now both of those are going to have limits, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the discipline structured child who, who as, a, as a good parent you've created lots of boundaries and you've set, they're, they're very likely to ask permission and that's really nice as a parent. And the free-spirited child is very likely to not and both of those are helpful ways of seeing you know there isn't a right or a wrong so i just want to say um yes we screw them up in the sense that we limit them by passing on inherent beliefs that we think of of as true but in beliefs have limits so we won't know what we've passed on but we will pass something on Uh, and that's what i can see to be true so that's the yes answer
1: yeah, And, you know, I, you've just reminded me, I've not thought about it for a long time. So as you know, I didn't end up having my own children, but I'm a step to, to two grown-up lads. And I have uh, a number of nephews, three of them I'm particularly close to, and I was very integral to them as they grew up. So as babies, I would have them overnight and stuff. While my sister, as a single mum, did night shifts and things. And we... There's two things you've reminded me of. One is when the oldest lad, when she was pregnant with the oldest lad, my sister and I looked at each other. We're very close. We looked at each other and we said, right, let's be the next generation, a new generation for these kids. Let's, let's leave those old stories and let's create new stories, new beliefs. And of course, those beliefs will have positives and negatives, just like you were talking about. I remember very clearly, though, thinking, let's start again. Let's wipe the slate clean. And you've also reminded me that this oldest lad, my sister's oldest boy, he, um, he was quite strong-willed. And a friend of ours, who's a head teacher of a primary school, said, you know, the thing is, when you want to bring up your children to be strong-willed, don't be surprised when they're really strong-willed. Exactly. And it, it's, it's lovely because it's so true, isn't it? You know, with everything that we do, there is, there's the yin and the yang. There's the two sides to every story.
0: Yeah, you know, one of the things that emerged really quite soon for my younger, for my older boy is that he's a natural leader. And you, if you want as a leader, somebody who thinks for themselves, who challenges against injustice, let's say, uh, who is self-determined and focuses on their agenda. These are things that you uh, attributes in leadership. You really don't want them in a, in your kid when you're bringing them up. <laughs> if you're a teacher or a kid to a, pa- a parent to a kid who's like that, it's hard. It's hard, and yet it's only hard if it, if you you know if you if you want your way, if you want your you know, and the very thing that. That you want for them is for them to think for themselves. So there's a natural tension there, and there and there has been, you know, there has been a natural tension. But I I can also see that the issue wasn't in me wanting to set boundaries or or me wanting to be um, respected. It was wherever I got caught up in that I was failing as a parent somehow, when my kid was doing something that was uh, I didn't like, whenever I got the idea that I was failing, that's the trap. That's when I started to get really um, lost, I think, and lost my way, lost my bearings. But just to answer the no part of can you screw them up, because I just want to make sure that we've kind of tabled that, it ultimately the who they are who, who who a person is who a child is who even who we are the essence of who we are the you could call it the true self our true nature or the core or Authentic self, whatever kind of words doesn't matter. But let's just say shorthand: who who they really are, beyond personality, beyond how they look, um, beyond the behaviour they're presenting today. But this kind of essence, this pure human beingness, who they are, is actually unscrewable with. <laughs> so you can't, you cannot harm what is already whole and perfect and, and kind of formless essence. You can't harm that. Now, children can have terrible experiences, you know, they can be formed by those experiences and, and end up having habits of thought or beliefs about themselves, but all of that, I'm, I'm saying, isn't who they are. There's an essence of who they are that is having that experience or that's making that story about life up or that's reacting and but it all happens in a kind of there's this essence this this innate being that is untouchable and so in a way that whatever you do as a parent you can never touch that part and the one thing you can do as a parent is see that part and that heals a million other things you might have done wrong in inverted commas you know because who's to say what's wrong mm-hmm. um you know my youngest son I used to say to him who, who who's a kind of <laughs> my eldest son I think of as a puppy who kind of treads in the poo and puts it all over the house and learns by sniffing and put you know but my I always think my youngest son is a cat who observes quietly and lands on his feet you know so he kind of watched it what the puppy brother did and said, well, that doesn't, I'm not doing that, you know, because <laughs> that, that makes a mess. So, you know, he he's a different kind of kid. Um, and uh, he would sometimes struggle with his brother's kind of ways and being big brotherness, you know. Sometimes young. it's an age-old story, younger brother, older brother. So I used to say to him, look, everybody has their cross to bear you know everybody has and yours might be your brother because you kind of get on with your parents unlike most of kids you know but maybe that's your that's the grit in the oyster that creates you as a pearl you know gives you compassion and my younger son is fearless in the face of any strong character now are 18, he's, an un, un, he's unafraid. He doesn't get in, engage in arguments. He doesn't, he doesn't go to the centre of the argument if there's something going on. He observes, but he is, he's unbullyable in a, in a sense because he's learned how to be and how to have compassion and how to see beyond something because you've got, it is a long game, brotherhood. And so that's been his, um, his learning. Now, there have been times, you know, when they've been fighting and I, it, my, it's broken my heart as a mother, I'm not going to lie, you know. Like, But if I really look, I see my own story of I must be a bad mother to have my sons fighting. If I really look, because if I step back, I see that the way of the world in nature is those little bear cubs nipping each other. You know, it is the way of things and it is part of one's development. So who's to say what's screwing them up or not, you know, because ultimately the essence of them can't be screwed up. And secondly, the experiences they have in the family setting, it, it grow them, you know, make them who they are. And I just really took a, a while to recognise what my true role as a parent is. And this is how it looks to me now. I have no responsibility for where they fly. They'll fly further and faster and, and higher than I can and even know. But I can create the environment for them to have wings. And that is for me, to that sort of gentle time of encouraging winghood. And that I can do. And, and then I, I have no, so what they do with those wings, where they go, on them completely. But that they have wings, I can I can look for that and I can encourage that. But before wings is roots. And the roots are not being in one place, although we did stay in one place because we wanted to give them one place roots. And I think that has paid off dividends because we moved around a lot before that. And then 10, 10 years in the same house when they were growing up brilliant but really roots isn't about place other than the place inside that's home and roots to me is parent look, looks like do they know they're loved do they know they're loved do they know that who who they are is already okay you know that that's the kind of roots and and do they know that all experience that they can experience can be held in that place of love from within them and by role model us loving them through whatever their experience is and so roots and wings you know that that for me is where i look for my parenting and i think before my eldest was 12 i think i was looking to fix whatever was wrong rather than focusing on the what was right yeah that 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 was i think the big epiphany it's
1: it's such a such a lovely story and i'm sitting here listening thinking you know the roots I love the roots you know do they know that they're loved and it and it's and it's consistently unconditional love isn't it Mm. and um and it's a gift beyond (laughs) beyond any other really because because as soon as we look at that love as parents can we honestly say it's unconditional in that moment
0: mm. um,
1: you know and I think about you know my husband and i and and you know i've I've known our lads since they were you know ten and twelve, and you know the, we have glimpses when we see them for who they truly are, and we have glimpses when we get caught up in our own stories of concern and worry yeah and and I just wanted to ask you you know when can you think of any examples when you've really seen that they're okay can can you think of anything that you'd be happy to share with us
0: sure so um so my eldest son uh he's quite quick smart fast brain and good memory and uh absorbs things very quickly he's kind of got this wonderful intellectual intuition balance which makes the you get things really really quickly when when it's like that and um he was studying his a levels in southern spain at an international school quite an important rite of passage for a young man you know and obviously dictating what universities he could get into la 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 so what, remember, I'm flying, I'm coming and going. And um, his dad is an amazing dad but never loved school and was dyslexic, so wasn't ever really too bothered about the homework, you know, oversaw it but didn't get in there. And then I suddenly got very interested in A-levels, right? Because, <laughs> you know, and, um, and I started to talk to my son and say, how's it going? You know, encouragingly, like any good mum, you know, how's it going? Do you need any support? You know, and it all talk to the hand, I basically, that was the message I got. And all you ever want to do is talk about my grades, which it didn't seem like that to me, but that was the message somehow I was giving. And I was trying to get in there and not be an irresponsible parent <laughs> by ignoring what they were doing. And I was failing. And um, I couldn't see any homework being done ever. I could see a lot of Xbox being played and football, um, but I couldn't see homework anyway. He, eventually we had a heart to heart and he said, leave me alone, I've got this, which is often what he would say. And then he didn't look like he'd got it, <laughs> you know, about other things. So I was kind of like, Ugh. and then something in me, just saw to trust him, to let go, to, to, to see truly that it, it is his path in life. You know, he's coming up for 18. This is his path. And I needed to trust his wisdom, that whatever he was doing about this was enough. And that I let go of any attachment to the outcome. It didn't matter what results he got. In my heart, because all of it would be um, learning for him, you know. So if he succeeds, he's learned something. If he fails, or if he gets, mid, you know, it will all be part of his story of life. And that my job was to be bear witness and support, and not to guide and control. So I let go, and you know, I noticed there's not much changed. <laughs> you know, didn't see much studying. He was insisting that he was studying at school. The teachers were saying he wasn't. So I didn't, you know, I didn't know. I just let it go in me. And then, you know, he got the results and he got, I think, a couple of A's and a B and a C, something like that. You could you could have blown, knocked me down with a feather, really. I was uh, not astonished that he could do that, but just... How did he do that? <laughs> you know, when did he do that? But I, but I saw in that moment that I don't know what he needs. He knows. And I also, and now on this occasion, we got lucky and the result was good. Mm-hmm. But equally, I've seen others, you know, he's, he put in an application to go out to their uni. He didn't get in. That was a good thing. You know, it would. Whatever happens is his teacher, not me. You know, life is his teacher, and my job is to support him on the journey of life with roots and wings, and to see his innate wisdom, not to direct the path.
1: No, I really, I really get that, and also I just thinking about anybody who listens to this it's kind of like yeah well that's really nice to say because he did well in his grades yeah so actually it turned out okay but actually if he had really bombed and had failed those a-levels then he would still be okay he'd just be okay on a different path
0: well i want to just finish off the story with my second son Ah. who did bomb Ah. in his (laughs) (laughs) gcse different kid right and uh i looked at the whole situation and the thing that became immediately clear was that he needed to be homeschooled and we needed to take him out of that big expensive school that was not serving him and he needed to be at home with his dad uh a different life he was not responding to academia he was a hands-on kid And we needed, we tried building, we tried putting him in a school so he had to adapt and it just was instantaneously clear to me and his dad and him that we needed to take him out of the school and build a school around him. Mm -hmm. And he was um, 15, 16, so it was exactly the moment to do that. And we did, we homeschooled him for a year. My sister's a teacher. She helped him get the GCSEs he needed because he had a few but not enough and uh, to get those and then we asked him what did he want to do and he wanted to study in the UK um, photography. So now he's at a college, he's doing a BTEC and he's actually still keen to go to university but he's just gone a completely different road and, you know, it was perfect that he failed because that showed all of us the path. So failure is just another story.
1: Absolutely. Oh, I love talking to you and we could talk for hours. Oh my goodness. Um, but I wanted just to ask you as we start to wrap up, you know, sure. what would be your message to anybody out there who's really resonating with what you're saying or, or might be feeling that they are caught up in their story and actually they are, it's their story that's being put on their children, you know, who can really resonate with what you're saying? What, what would be your message to them?
0: It's a stretch, sometimes to feel and see this but I want you to know it's true we're all innocent we're all innocent as parents we're innocently following what we've been told and taught or what we feel based on our own life story and we're doing it with the best of intentions so it's, it's an innocent <laughs> perpetration on our children. Whatever we telling telling them, it, it's all done with the best of heart. And they're innocent. They're just being who they are and then they temporarily have a tantrum or whatever. And I think the more we can see the innate innocence in us and give ourselves a break, yes. the more we settle, the wiser we are. And and wisdom itself is only ever available in this moment with this kid. Ever read a parenting book about do this, that and the other when this happens and then this happens and you're not going to go back to your parenting book and go, what's my three-point plan? You've got to deal with that right now. And what's going to help you deal with that right now is your own settled clarity of mind and heart or otherwise known as your own wisdom. And that's what's going to help you meet, meet the needs in the moment, not what your grandmother did or what you read in a book or, you know, what some guru of parenting nanny, super nanny says. No, what is, in, what is in your eyes right now to see, to do is wisdom for you. And so the how-tos, I think we don't need to bother with those we have god-given how-tos in every moment if we are settled if we don't have a story about how we need to be
1: that's lovely so when we when we can spot our busy head and we can spot that we're caught up in our own story and we can have a sense of some clearer thinking we know that we've got it perfect (laughs) thank you so elizabeth if anybody wanted to make contact with you be the best way for them to to reach out to you
0: yeah so um i have uh if you just google my name elizabeth lovius l-o-v-i-u-s i I end up coming i'm the only one in the world so i have lots of places you can find me from there but uh, i also focus on leadership change makers really helping uh change makers listen to their wisdom and lead real change so that's really the area of focus and that information is available on leadershipwisdom.info. That's the name of that uh, website. Where, you, if you're particularly interested in that, uh, where parenting has trained me very well.
1: <laughs> it's been really wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much for your time, Elizabeth. Pleasure. You've been listening to Precarious Parenting by Realisation Works. Subscribe to realisationworks.com to access more resources including monthly blogs written to be shared with younger people.